You're listening to the Fertility Academy podcast, episode 27. Today, I'm talking with Christina McCrory, an experienced fertility nurse. She has a lot of wisdom to share, so stay tuned. Welcome to Fertility Academy, a podcast where we provide you with information and tools to help you optimize your fertility to grow your family no matter where you are in your fertility journey. We offer interesting, creative, and evidence-based information and give you practical tools to help you get closer to your goal of building a family. I'm your host, Michelle Kapler. I'm a fertility-focused acupuncturist and Chinese medicine practitioner, board-certified fertility specialist, and fertility coach with over 10 years of experience helping my patients build their families. I'm so glad you're here with us. Let's get on with the episode. Hello and welcome. I'm so glad you're here with us today. I'm going to be talking with Christina today in my interview. She's a registered nurse in a fertility clinic here in Toronto. With many years of experience working in fertility medicine and seeing thousands of people through their fertility cycles, she has a lot of really good insights to share. Today, we're going to talk about her role as a fertility nurse, what to expect when attending the fertility clinic, some of the challenges that she sees coming up for people, how to make the best of an IVF cycle, and tons of good advice along the way. Before I play the interview, I want to offer Christina's professional bio. Christina McCrory has been practicing nursing for almost six years, which five of those years have been focused practicing specializing in fertility. Prior to becoming a nurse, she had a background in kinesiology, where she graduated with a Bachelor of Science from Wilf Laurier University. Apart from her career, she lives a life with her husband and two boys and another set of twins on the way. So without further delay, let's play my interview with Christina. Welcome, Christina. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks so much for having me. This is exciting. So I've already read your professional bio in the introduction to the podcast episode. So we already know about all that you do as a nurse. But if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, that'd be great. Um, So I originally graduated from Laurier University with a Bachelor of Science degree in kinesiology. So my focus at first was really in physical therapy. After a while, I decided I wanted to do my nursing degree, and so I moved on to uh, doing that at Humber College, and I kind of melded the two, and I went to go work for Hall and Bloorview Kids Rehab, and that was great, but I really had this like calling that I wanted to be a labor and delivery nurse, and um, so I started to do my certification on that, and my friend Ashley she became a fertility nurse and she's like, Hey, I think you'd be so good at this. And, um, I, I finished my labor and delivery, um, certification, but I actually never went to L and D at all. (laughs) I just went straight into fertility. And, um, so I've been doing that for about five years now. Um, I really have just been trying to focus helping families, make babies, um, and really be that support for them. Um, I've been doing it for pretty much my entire nursing practice. I've been a nurse for six years, and then I've been doing fertility nursing for five. Um, but apart from that, like, uh, my career, I'm married to my husband. We've known each other since high school. Um, we have two beautiful boys, Liam and Nathan, and I am currently pregnant with twins, so my life is about to get... Uh, really crazy, but uh, in the funnest way. And um, I just want to be that support for women out there um, 
trying to make their families as well, no matter what way they get there. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I think that nurses are just angelic. Um, I've seen a lot of patients from all the fertility clinics in the area that we live in, in, in the greater Toronto area. So I've heard tons of experiences. And I know that really the nurses and the nursing staff and the admin staff can really make or break the experience for a patient because it's really you guys that people are seeing face-to-face, communicating with on a regular basis. And so I really appreciate all that you guys do because you're not only administering tests and doing you know, regular nursing work in your profession, but you're also the one making that call, delivering the news, whether good or bad. And I can imagine that that can be either a really heavy or a really rewarding part of your job. Yeah, I mean, our days really ebb and flow from being super, super heavy and then really, really happy. And I get that like pretty much every day. (laughs) Um, So it is really, as much as our patients need to be super mentally prepared for the entire process of going through fertility testing and treatment, um, I feel like as nurses, we deal, we share that load with the patient as well. Um, so we almost have to go into our day as well, being so mentally prepared to not break down when we have to tell someone that they're having a miscarriage and um, really try to be there for them, but also be that strong advocate for them to the physician if they're having a hard time or they're just not trying to convey what they what they want to their physician as well. I feel like we're really that middle ground for the patient. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I'm not sure if a lot of people realize how much of the process you guys are actually involved in. It's a lot. Yeah. Like it's really the patients deal with the nurses the most at fertility clinics. I find even when I'm dealing with patients who are satellite monitoring with us from all over the world, um, I'm really dealing with a nurse that's on the other end of the phone. I'm not really speaking to a physician. Um, It's all really, they see the physician, but then after we kind of take over their care until they do their treatment or they need to see the physician again to get another order. But really, we are the ones that are committing to trying to get their protocol and uh, medications in order and just making sure that they're all set up for their cycles. That's great. So I'm assuming that in your five years of practice, you've probably seen thousands of people come through the fertility clinic. Am I, am I ballpark correct there? Yeah. You know, what's funny is um, I guess like this is going to be my third mat leave and I just, I come and go. I'm like that nurse that just gets pregnant and goes for nine months and then comes back. But um, I I see my patients, they get pregnant, and then they come back to us kind of the same. Um, but we are also sometimes experiencing now that they got pregnant, they're getting pregnant naturally, like after having primary infertil- infertility, um, they're getting pregnant naturally. And they're like, can I just come and like monitor my OBs with you? And we're like, no, go see your family doctor. You don't need to come and see us. But they're like, we miss you so much. But um, no, I I find that I've seen all, all sorts of couples and different families. And it's been really rewarding. It's been really rewarding to, to see everybody's 
how how they want to raise their families. I, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but I find that certain patients, they have... Um, they have this thing in their mind of what fertility is or uh, fertility treatment is. They come in and they automatically think it's IVF, but that's not necessarily the case. I find that there's a lot of education that we have to give our patients um, because sometimes they get a referral from their family doctor and they have no idea what to expect when they're coming to see us at all. And so I've been seeing, met, yeah, thousands of different patients. Yeah, it's been awesome. And so that uh, that brings me to my first question. Um, I know that there's a huge spectrum of the kind of people that would present to you at the fertility clinic, and they would probably be presenting at all different stages of the fertility journey. And I think that a lot of that largely depends on on their family physician and the level of education that they have with their doctor and the level of education that they're just coming to the table with originally. Um, but as somebody with so much experience seeing people come at all these different levels, when would you say is a good time to start seeking help from a fertility specialist? Prior to COVID, I would have said, you know, uh, go by the rule of thumb. Takes a couple, an average of five to six months to get pregnant naturally, and they have no issues essentially um, going on. The actual stat is you have an 18 to 20% chance of getting pregnant each cycle. So even if you're doing everything right, that's still pretty low if you think about it. So um, if you're under the age of 35 and it's been less than five or six months, I would say you're still okay, especially if you've been doing everything properly, like tracking your cycle, um, really following your cervical mucus. There are so many apps out there now that are just so friendly and fertility friendly. Like you can learn so much about your cycle in those apps as well. Um, but if you truly feel like something is off, just go seek a fertility specialist or at least ask your family physician before sending a referral to do those preliminary tests like your FSH level or your AMH level. All those things can be ordered by your family physician or even a naturopath that you're seeing. Like those things can be, your blood work can be checked. They can do a preliminary ultrasound. But um, if you are having fertility struggles, don't wait. I would say more than six months, I would say seek a fertility specialist for sure. That's really good advice. And are there any clinical presentations that you see where you would say, hey, it would probably be a good idea to seek a fertility referral even before you start trying? For example, I always say if, to my patients, if they're not getting a period regularly, that it's a good idea to start that testing earlier than later. Um, is there any advice that you could give in, in that way? For sure. Um just to give an example, my um, actually family physician, I had like a routine ultrasound and she said, you have PCOS. And I wasn't even, I wasn't even married at the time. I wasn't thinking about children, but she said that like very, almost as if it wasn't a big deal. And, and now knowing so much more about PCOS um, and how I had irregular cycles or breakthrough bleeding, um, even pain with sex, um, those are all things that you should be you should be in tune with your body and being like this this doesn't feel right or 
what what are these normal 28 to 32 day cycles? I bleed like 15 days out of my 32 days. Um, those are all red flags, um, I would say, or some type of hormonal issue that needs to be addressed at that point. Okay, that's sure. great. Yeah, I think it speaks to a, a much larger conversation that we always have on a very regular basis on the podcast in that as women, um, culturally, we're very much made to believe that if you have period pain, if you have severe PMS, if you're physically suffering every month, that's just kind of part of womanhood and you have to just accept it. And so I'm very much on a mission to educate people that no, it's not normal to have bleeding for 15 out of 30 days every month. It's not normal to have insufferable PMS or acne or, you know, any of that stuff that comes up regularly. And those are all signs to, you know, say that something's off and it's good to seek treatment sooner than later. So I'm really glad to hear that the medical side of things agrees with that. I mean, I would, I would say certain reproductive endocrinologists, they get squeamish about alternative medical practices and Eastern medicine, but there is so much new research coming out there that these are all beneficial and we all can help these women and men um, get treatment and, um, all of us can work together to try to make those families. Um, I think for example, just with you and acupuncture, like acupuncture does so much for a woman's cycle, um, in terms of, um, if they're having any endometrial lining issues, if they're having any implantation issues, um, or stimulating issues, if they, are on all these high doses of gonadotropins and they're still not getting much stimulation or egg quality, all of these things. There's been proven research that acupuncture does help with these things. But I also have come across with certain um, physicians that are just, they don't believe in those things. So I think it's, um, it's a conversation that you have to have with your physician and just because you go for one fertility consult with a physician doesn't mean you have to take that physician. You have to be, I think everybody should have confidence in their, in their relationship with their physician, even though they won't probably see them as often as they would like, um, just with, um, just with how our healthcare system works. It's, it's the reviews, the consults, it's just, not enough time for everyone almost. Um, but I think that you just have to be confident in the relationship you have with your physician. That is 100% when you're seeking a specialist or seeking which fertility clinic to go to, you just have to be comfortable with the person that you are seeing. Um, and you kind of get that anyways, like even with seeing an OB or a family physician, you just kind of, or a dentist, you just kind of know like, okay, this feels off. Like, I don't think I should be seeing this person. Um, and you guys just have to be on that same page. I think so. And I, I hear that feedback regularly. And that's part of the conversation in my clinical practice often as well is that, you know, people sometimes feel that because they were referred to a certain person that they have to stay with that person and that they don't have a choice. And that's not to say that one should bounce around from clinic to clinic if they're not getting the results that they're looking for. But there is research that supports the fact that having 
a good relationship with your primary care provider for whatever goal you're looking to achieve and having confidence in their treatment plan and their ability to treat you and get good outcomes actually does affect the outcomes of your treatment in a in a statistically significant way. For sure. For sure. I completely agree with that statement. Um, I think uh, everybody has to have confidence with, uh, with someone that is dealing with their health and their lives. And um, fertility treatment doesn't come cheap either, um, especially if it's um, not covered by your insurance provider, you don't have benefits, or if one of now with COVID, there were many layoffs, um, people were not working, they had to stall their treatment, um, there's financial struggles behind it as well. So if you're trusting that primary caregiver, with everything that you have, um, I think you have to have confidence in them as well. For sure. And so for those who are about to embark on their fertility experience with a reproductive specialist, what can you tell them about what to expect when going for their first visit with their fertility clinic? At first, most likely you won't actually speak to the physician right off the bat. The health history is most likely taken by myself or a receptionist, um, it'll be detailed. So um, do not, if you are a modest person, they will be asking you many personal questions. And um, it's so funny when I get couples or now everything is virtual, but um, when we used to get couples come in for consult, there were a lot of, there was a lot of blushing. And um, I mean, I say semen and intercourse like on the daily, like it just comes on out and they're just kissing like, almost behind <laughs> their hands. Um, but uh, a health history is taken, a very detailed health history. So even before seeing a fertility specialist, you should start kind of, if you know that appointment is coming up, you should have an idea of how long your cycles are if there's any family history. So um, if your mom was premenopausal, sorry, or if your sister has had trouble conceiving as well, there may be a family history or something um, along those lines clinically um, in in the family. Um, Also, there will be a physical exam on that day, either if it's through an ultrasound or a blood test, usually both of those are done. Um, and then perhaps if you have already been doing treatment, not not even treatment, um, but if you have been trying for about six to 12 months, on at that appointment, we may see um, the physician actually give you a protocol or some type of advice, um, starting you on a medication or, or whatnot. Um, before uh, like before your actual next appointment uh it just it it honestly depends on on what kind of history you've had of course so if you could give any advice for how to I guess make the most of that first appointment do you have any tips for people I mean is it a good idea to bring in tests that they've had before from the doctor is it a good idea to write down a timeline any advice you have for people Um, Definitely. So um, number one, tracking your cycles, if they are regular, um, the flow of the menstrual cycle, how heavy it is, how long it lasts is very important. Um, If they have had any um, blood work done in terms of 
FSH levels, um, AMH levels, estrogen, like baseline day three. So what I mean by day three, um, everybody's going to be now when you go to these clinics, they're going to be like, well, what is your day one? Well, that is the first day of your full flow. On the day three, which is the third day of your um, menstrual cycle, that is usually when we get that baseline. So we do a testing of your progesterone levels, your estrogen, um, prolactin, DHEA, um, all of those hormones. Um, but uh, prior to coming to that appointment, you may have had that workup done with your family physician. So those are all things that can be brought into us if you've had any ultrasounds. Any previous history of miscarriage or loss, chemical pregnancies. Um, and now this is just speaking on the female side of things, but we have to obviously include the partner as well. So there's any, um, it takes two. Um, so if there's any ejaculation issues, um, semen analysis reports. Uh, also, there's sometimes like uh, a uh, mental hold back from like actually wanting um, to have sex with the partner as well. Um, it's I see that a lot in like certain cultures um, where they find um, intercourse and sex just hard to talk about. And um, usually it is up to us females to really it's it's your thing. Like the partners are really standoff about it. So. Um, the best advice in that sense is to have a conversation with your partner as well. Um, that, uh, to make sure that both of you are ready for this step. The first step is to come in for that appointment and get those assessments done. Um, so you guys have to be on the same page. I can't stress that enough. Um, that making sure that your relationships are strong and you do have that communication between you and your partner before proceeding to, to go potentially into treatment or seeing that fertility specialist. That's really interesting advice. Um, I, I've seen something similar and it's not quite the same with acupuncture for obvious reasons. Yes. But I mean, I've been practicing for over 10 years. And again, I mentioned this pretty often on the podcast that sometimes there's this disparity in terms of responsibility when it comes to getting pregnant. And a lot of the responsibility, at least culturally speaking, in North American culture, and I can't speak for other cultures, but the burden of doing the work often falls on the woman or the person with eggs or ovaries, um, because we just kind of look at their role in conceiving a child as well they have to be the one to get pregnant and carry the baby but really it's only 50% of the equation the person that's providing the sperm is 50% responsible for the outcome in the situation and so I've seen a huge spectrum of couples that will come into my office or you know even if it's just the the one partner coming in, because that kind of tells you something as well. COVID notwithstanding, I know that it's a little bit different now. Um, yes, yes. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, I have people who come in who are totally on the same page, very much, you know, wanting to do this together as a partnership. And they're both very supportive of one another. And the person who is, you know, doing more of the procedures gets a lot of support from their partner in a very supportive and loving way. 
all the way to the other end of the spectrum where sometimes the person with the eggs and the ovaries is literally doing all the work and their partner doesn't even come to the clinic with them. And so do you have any advice for for people who are kind of on the other end of the spectrum? I think just informing your partner of how much their role plays in fertility and trying to create that family. I think having that conversation or even even just talking about like, hey, like, this is why we are doing this. This is why it's so important for you to be there and understand what I'm going through because there may be times where I'm on high doses of hormones and sometimes hormones make us do wacky things or just put us in an emotional state. Um, and same as being pregnant, like hormones are so fluctuating. And um, I think we need to have the support of our partners. Um, I Nowadays, we have those um, counselors and that those clinical specialists available to couples. Um, I think there has to be some sort of discussion with your partner, telling them that this is what you expect of them as well, vice versa, prior to going into this, if they are not on board, you are probably going to get a lot of pushback with um, certain therapies. And a lot of the time we have uh, male patients like refusing to do a semen analysis. And unfortunately, like that is 50% of the workup for the the patient and their, um, their diagnosis. So we really recommend just having that conversation, um, that open and honest conversation. And should you need any further help, it's it's not, there's a stigma behind trying to speak to someone or a counselor. And we are all trying to break that stigma right now because just talking to someone helps so much. Just that third party being present, I think it's very healthy for a relationship. That's good advice. And if I can say anything about that, over what I've noticed over the years is that, you know, if you end up at a place where you do ne- need to do IVF, um, it's an all-encompassing process. It's very taxing on every level. It's taxing on your mental health and your physical health and your financial health and then your marriage, your your partnership, your relationship. And so being able to navigate the entire experience on a united front with good communication from the beginning, you can kind of start to practice those skills, even though in those preliminary conversations to kind of prepare you for later things. And of course, nobody thinks that they're going to be the one who has to end up doing IVF, but it's a possibility for anybody. Anybody could end up in that situation. So it's good to just be prepared. For sure, for sure. Most of the time, there are a lot of IVF patients that I do see. Specifically, I'm an IV clinical IVF nurse, so I do see mo- more IVF patients than I see IUI patients and patients just doing intercourse cycles and tracking their ovulation through blood work and ultrasounds and that sort of thing. But I think once you come to IVF, it's a whole new world. Um, there's so much science behind it and when you you get prepped about six to eight weeks prior to your actual procedure for the most part when you go see um, any type of clinic you need to have certain tests in place Um, you need to be aware of what medications you're going to be on um, or 
if there's any outstanding tests that need to be done. There's certain things genetically, sometimes patients are coming to us because they have a genetic factor and they are trying to do genetic diagnosing and really building their family that way. So I think once you come on the side of IVF, there's just so much to learn and it's it, it's almost overbearing like for a patient and I, I get that a lot of the time being like whoa this is so much information um, so I I really I really do empathize with my patients um, and really try to get them to understand that we we are there for you um, and I think that's what they need from us as well as uh, their clinical providers yeah definitely is there any advice you can give people to help them set themselves up for success when going into an IVF cycle? So obviously their health and nutrition. Um, I think that's number one. There are certain fertility clinics out there that do have a BMI limit to providing treatment. So if you have been at another clinic and you are deciding to switch, make sure you get that information. So really put your health and nutrition in the forefront prior to starting your IVF cycle. It's super important. And actually your your results will most likely be so much better if you just put your nutrition and your health first. Also ask your fertility specialist if there are any supplements you can take leading up to your cycle. Usually supplements are taken about six to eight weeks prior to starting your retrieval cycle. So I'm just going to list them off, but I mean, this is something that you would have to speak to your healthcare provider about, but um, MACA, DHEA, CoQ10, NAD, uh, any fertility supplements for male factors, um, for sperm quality, motility, and that sort of thing. See if there's anything that does need to be done or any supplements that you can take prior to. Um, prior to starting your IVF cycle, make sure that all your alternate Alternative medicine providers and practitioners are aware that you're proceeding with an IVF cycle because they do tailor their treatment uh, based on what you are doing. Just make sure you have everyone on the same page. And I think a lot of the time when people are doing their IVF cycle, they try to hide it from their friends and family. So I, I want you and your partner to have that discussion and see if you guys want to be open about that or not because now we're not seeing many people with COVID but eventually hopefully this will all go away and um, you will be coming to a lot of appointments um, the treatment you may have to take time off work um, so just making sure that you have like even your work in place prior to starting being like hey in the month of May I may need to take one to two weeks off um, with your your uh, supervisor, your manager. I think you don't have to obviously tell them what you're doing, but just make sure that you don't have the stress of your career on top of that when you're trying to have a good retrieval cycle and um, or your transfer cycle or whatnot. That's really good advice. I think that what I see quite often is people are often a little bit blindsided by just how intense a stimulation cycle can be. And I'm sure that is not based on 
you know, the staff at the clinic not giving them the right information. Some people are just so overwhelmed that they can't really take it all in at once. Yeah. And so I often have a conversation with people. Well, you know, it's it's a lot of medication. It's going to make you feel different. There's a small surgery involved. You have to, you know, you have to treat it like a small surgery. You have to be prepared to take, a, you know, time off work. It's a procedure. It's happening. You need to take time to recover after. You probably won't be able to go back to work right away. And if you do, you might not heal as quickly. And I think people... It, it totally glosses over their head sometimes and they're like oh yeah it's just IVF no big deal but it's like it's a full-on medical procedure so some people just kind of are a little surprised by that sometimes so thank you for that advice that's really great yeah no a lot of it like uh, I get that all the time and we they go through meetings and I'm seeing them almost every other day but then we're booking a retrieval and they're like oh I can go back to work next day I'm like mm no, I, I don't think so. Um, you'll probably still be a little bit loopy or nauseous or sore from the day prior. Like you want to take it easy a little bit. Yeah, like you're literally having surgery and you need to recover from that. Yes, yes. And I, I think it, with IVF, everybody loosely, oh, I'm doing IVF, but it is r- really taxing on the body, on the female body for sure. That's great. Good advice. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. For the people who are already in the fertility clinic experience, and there's, I mean, especially in a big city like Toronto, there's definitely a spectrum of how physicians will practice. There's definitely a spectrum for the quality of communication within clinics. And so I think some people um, are sometimes finding themselves in a situation where maybe it's not the right fit, or maybe they're just not getting the results that they're looking for. So what would you suggest that people do if they're not getting the success that they're looking for from the fertility clinic? And can that sometimes be a change in expectations, perhaps? Yes and no. Um, I think you have to be open and honest with your provider about how you are feeling if you're not getting the results that you would like. I think you have to ask if all the tests have been done that are necessary. Ask those really hard questions. I think that with not getting the success that you need. There are certain things now, there's so much information available online to everybody through Google. For better, for worse. (laughs) For better or for worse. Um, But there are a lot of therapies and I get this all the time being like, well, why doesn't the doctor try this? Why doesn't the doctor try that? And I'm like, well, technically we don't have those therapies yet in Canada. Um, Those those are happening in Czech Republic. They're happening in the States, but um, Health Canada hasn't approved those those treatments yet here in Canada. So I think that there are um, there are a lot of forums now that kind of give people a sense that their practitioner or their provider is not doing what's best for them. So I think having that conversation with your um, primary provider asking them what can be done, what was not done the last time, if there's any changes that we could make to our protocol, or if you're doing an embryo transfer, um, has there been genetic testing done on those embryos? There may be, by all means, a genetic factor with those embryos, and that's why you're not getting pregnant. I think I think a lot of the times there's a lot of miscommunication. Um, so really trying to find that person at your clinic, like don't don't think 
right away that, oh, I have to jump ship and go somewhere else um, because you've dedicated so much time with that clinic. Um, you've done all the testing there and just jumping ship is not that easy. So um, I think that finding someone that you can have at the clinic, like a nurse or even asking the receptionist just to schedule another review with the doctor because you didn't quite understand what was said at the consultation. Um, just making sure that everybody is on the same page. Um, I, I think that's the best advice I could give. Um, it's just making sure that you have someone a- advocating for your treatment. If, even if that's you or if that's a nurse, um, I think you just have to be open and honest with them. Sometimes honesty is not the greatest, but I think telling telling us that you're not happy, obviously that you've been here for a year and you're not getting pregnant, like what can we do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. Um, I think that sometimes the feedback that I get as an allied health professional is, well, I don't want to offend my doctor. I don't want to be a pain. I don't want to bother them. And I'm like, no, bother them. They want to, I mean, want to be bothered. They want to, they want to know if you're not if you're not happy, they want to know if you feel like you're not getting what you need. And I mean, obviously, there's a line between self-advocacy and questioning and, you know, asking and and all that stuff versus, you know, harassing and incessant calling, because I'm sure you get people on that spectrum as well. But I mean, if you show up respectfully and give your feedback, then I would say it's probably always welcome. For sure. I mean, our patient success is the physician's success. I think if your physician is getting you pregnant at your fertility clinic, that is their success as well. So I think having both sides be happy and be in good communication is best for all. It's best for the clinic. It's best for the patients. And at the end, we ha- we're building families here. So I think it is a beautiful thing to see at the end, even after so much hardship, going through like three or four IVF cycles and then having that one good embryo and finally getting that little miracle at the end of it is worth it, is worth it. I just, I I do know the emotional struggles that that our patients do go through and um, I definitely empathize with that as well. Well, I think that's a really great place to end off here. So if there was any advice that you could give somebody who's just starting off in the fertility clinic experience, would you have a tip for them to to kind of get started? Um, I think just really knowing, being in tune with your body and just knowing where you stand from the health side of things. Um, I think the more you know about your cycle, your health, the better your outcomes will be when you come to see us at that first appointment. And just being um, open and honest with your partner. Um, I, I can't stress that enough. Um, having the both of you on the same page is and open to any conversation that may be had in that consult um, is very important. And I'm, I'm sure at the end of this, we'll get you where we need to go. That's great. Thank you so much. And Christina, would you mind sharing if people, you know, wanted to reach out and possibly work with your clinic if they're in the area? um, Are you willing to share that information with us? Yeah. So um, I 
currently work with New Light Fertility Clinic. Um, we have many locations um, throughout the GTA. Uh, so definitely you can always reach out to any one of us to see if that, that would be an option for you. And, and if, if I do see you, I can't wait. Wonderful. Well, Christina, thank you so much again. And good luck with the rest of your pregnancy with your twins. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's going to be a whirlwind, but we are, we are very excited. So that's going to be it for me today. I'll be back next Wednesday with another episode. Until then, take care. Thank you for joining us on Fertility Academy. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you loved our content today, please be sure to leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share it with someone who you think might find it helpful. Don't forget to subscribe to be the first to be notified of new episodes. A new one comes out every Wednesday. To keep in touch with us and to continue the conversation, you can find us over on Instagram at Fertility Academy or join us on our private Facebook group, the Fertility Academy Community. Both are linked in the show notes today. Until next time, have a great week.